Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk just a little about flag leaf fungicides for wheat. But even if you don't raise wheat, these same fungicides can be used on many different crops, or at least most of them can. So we'll talk about that as we go throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743 if you'd like to call into the show. Otherwise, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so when it comes to flag leaf fungicides for wheat, I, I, I realize the geography that we cover is enormous. So we're going way up in Canada where, and and quite frankly, Canada, North Dakota, you might not even have your wheat in the ground yet, or it's just barely out of the ground because it's spring wheat. On the other hand, if you're a long way south, um, your wheat may be well past this stage already. But the reason why we wanted to talk about flag leaf fungicides today is because with today's wheat price, and quite frankly, I think it's going to be a good price for a while. Uh, but even if you look at it just today, you say, wow, it isn't going to take much for me to get a, a really, really good return on almost anything I do for my crop. Now, most people are spraying at herbicide timing. It's very easy then. A lot of times people are using half rates. You're mixing it right with the herbicides. There's no extra trip. So, I mean, that's a no-brainer in wheat. If you're not spraying at that timing, I'd really highly encourage you to do so. And if nothing else, at least try some out because pretty much everybody that we work with is spraying at that timing. Okay. I'd also say the heading timing for fungicide use, super popular. Whether you've got rust, you're worried about fusarium head blight. I, I mean, there are a lot of diseases that can impact the crop late in the season and spraying at heading timing makes a tremendous amount of sense. Plus, you got a super cheap option in the old generic folicure that's probably this year, I don't know, three bucks an acre, might be a little more than that, but it, it's been even cheaper than that. It's been two bucks. And then, of course, you've got some of the, the new really good products at that heading timing, whether it's Prosaro Pro, you've got Miravis Ace, and then there's certainly Caramba and Prosaro around as well. So those are two super popular timings, herbicide timing, heading timing. But here's what I want you to know. If you spray at flag leaf, most of the time, I believe you're going to gain the most yield at that timing. And that's when we find the fewest number of farmers spray. If you look at the research that's been done across North America, they find that the flag leaf fungicide pays so well in part because it's the most important leaf on that wheat plant. You want to keep it disease-free. Just like in corn, you want to keep that ear leaf disease-free. If you can do that, you've got a much better chance for high yield. So anyway, personally, I like multiple mode of action products. Like I'm just, and I could list a whole bunch of them. So I'm going to apologize if I don't get to your favorite, but I will just say, here's an example, Nexicor. It's got three modes of action. It's really inexpensive. It's a BSF product, but the, the modes of action that we're talking about are Trizol, SDHI, and then 
you've got the strobe or strobilurin. Now, with the strobilurin, we're having lots of issues with disease resistance. But even if you have that, we like having that strobe in there because it does seem to give a little bit more plant health. So anyway, again, we'll be talking about flagly fungicides for wheat throughout the show today, but that's the reason why we wanted to spend a little time on it today. It could be the most important timing for your farm if you've never sprayed at flag leaf timing. Just like we always say, try some out, see what you think. But as a farmer and looking at the wheat price this year, there's no way I'd be skipping that timing. I think it's going to pay. All right, let's get to the phone lines. we got Jim calling in from Ohio. Jim, how are you today? A little soggy in Ohio here today. You know, uh, there we're, we're soggy in a lot of areas in the United States, but then you get to our area, and on our farm, we got drought again. So we 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 need some moisture. I wish some people, all these people with excess water, I'm sure they'd like to get rid of the excess. We'd take some of that. Uh, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. Hey, I hear you've got a little uh, dandelion issue out in your fields. Yeah, in my enlist soybeans, I thought I got them out with a fuel cultivator before yep. I planted beans, but yep. I see there's a few survived. Yep. Nothing to get too terribly worried about other than this. You know that every day that they're out there, it could potentially negatively impact your yield, so you want to spray pretty early. Are the beans out of the ground yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they got trilophal leaves out. Trilophal yeah. Okay, so you got a couple of choices. Either if you want to go out there with a quart of Enlist 1, that'll do a pretty good job knocking them back. If instead you would like to go out with a quart of six-pound Roundup, that also will do a good job on them as long as the temperature is warm. So either way you want to go, I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. The Roundup has a better chance of getting down in there and, and permanently killing the roots but uh, the Enlist One is a real nice product for knocking the weeds back now, and you could knock them back again later if it's Enlist Beans with either Liberty or Enlist One. So I'm just I'm not that worried about it. You've got plenty of options there for fairly decent control. Well, can I combine my uh, glyphosate with Enlist? You sure can. What'll happen to you is it's going to neg- the Enlist One is going to negate the impact of the Roundup in there because the Enlist One will stop the growth very quickly and it will not allow the Roundup to get down into the root system. So if you're throwing the Roundup in for another reason, like let's say you have a bunch of grass out there and some weeds that the Enlist One won't kill, then I'm perfectly fine throwing the Roundup in. But I'm just trying to say it's not going to help you on the dandelions if you've already got Enlist One in the tank. Okay, so I can probably spray them about any time with Enlist One you right bet. now and then come back? Yep, sure can. Come back later on with uh, sure Roundup can. and uh, Enlist. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I was just kind of wondering. You bet. Them critters like to sneak around in fuel colors. <laughs> uh, yeah, they sure do. Hey, Jim, thanks for the call today. We got to run. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough to reach spaces. 
With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen. Even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y-Drop. With 360 Y-Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com as well. We're talking today about flag leaf fungicides, and we get so many comments from farmers saying, you know, I did spray a flag leaf fungicide, but I must not have gotten great coverage because I see some spots where I'm missing things and disease has gotten in, whether that's head scab or rust or, or whatnot. That coverage piece is really important. So we got our friend Nick Flights on right now with Pentair Hypro to talk a little about that. How are you doing, Nick? Hey, I'm doing very good today. Thanks for having me on. Okay, how come that happens, that farmers get great coverage on one side of the wheat head and not the other side, or parts of leaves, but not the whole leaves? Yeah, this application, you know, you think about it, it's a very vertical target, and that's really one of the most challenging targets to, to hit. There's not as much margin for error as there is spraying onto a corn crop or soybeans or cotton where you got a lot of leaf area, uh, you know, leaves that fold out parallel to the ground. We've got a vertical target. It's small, it's thin, and so it's hard to hit. Uh, and this is a really probably the application or one of the applications that I think uh, nozzle selection can have the biggest impact. You know, nozzles that spray straight down perpendicular to the ground tend to give us good coverage on the front side of a vertical target like the wheat head or flag leaf the side that'd be facing the sprayers you're driving to it but it's that back side that we miss with those nozzles um, they don't target that back side very well or or really at all in some cases we can see no no deposition there um, so this is one that i always recommend 
nozzles that have incline spray patterns, whether that is a dual fan nozzle like the, the Guardian Air Twin or one that's a little unique um, like the, the 3D where we're going to alternate that, that spray pattern because that's going to kind of get us coming and going. You're going to have a forward-facing spray pattern, so we know we're going to hit that front side well, but that rear-facing pattern is going to be spraying behind the sprayer. Um, angled away and, and allow us to, to more effectively cover you know, both sides of that flag leaf or of that uh, cereal grain head. Nick, you talk about incline with these nozzles, and basically instead of uh, straight up and down, they're, they're coming at an angle, and it, it's just a result of lots of research that's been done. Talk to us about that. How do, you, how do you do research on this and develop nozzles like the 3D nozzle? You know, I was out in the field last week actually doing some, some fungicide application testing on a you know, new nozzle design, uh, testing against some nozzles that are already out there into the market uh, and, and then some new designs to, to test and see. So, you know, it's a combination of, you know, some just throwing ideas on paper, working with engineers and, and some of the, the flow dynamics. There's some lab testing and then putting it into the field like we were doing to, to make sure that, hey, you know, this, this sounds great in theory, but is it actually going to, to produce a difference, you know, in the field? under the real world conditions so um you know the engineers get pretty crafty and and there's a lot of you know smart people there doing good engineering work um you know looking at flow dynamics and things like that to to try and maintain energy and maintain velocity of spray droplets you know that's that's one with this application we want droplets that have plenty of energy and velocity to them on that rear facing spray pattern to counteract the movement of the sprayer. You know, as we drive faster and faster, uh, it makes that rear side coverage more difficult. Um, so you want to make sure, you know, you get a nozzle with good velocity and energy to, to counteract the movement of the sprayer. Um, so it's always good to slow down, maybe back that hydro handle down a little bit. That's going to help with backside coverage. Um, but, you know, nozzles like the, the 3D where we're, Keeping all the energy and flow into a single spray pattern and putting that on an incline, um, we get a lot of velocity and energy there compared to a traditional dual fan nozzle, where if you're using, say, uh, an 04, a red nozzle, you actually have two smaller O-size uh, spray tips within it. So we're splitting that energy and velocity into two small tips. Uh, so, so we lose some of that uh, with our individual spray patterns. So... A lot, of, a lot of interesting work that goes on. Um, Absolutely. The yeah, there's a lot of science behind this. That's why we love having Nick Flights on the show from time to time. Nick, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And I'll let you get going. Get back out and do some more research. We really appreciate all you're doing. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good day. You too. Uh, let's head a little north. we got Ryan Hunt with us right now with FMC. Uh, Ryan, you're listening to, to Nick talk a little about spray tips. I'm betting that you wish every grower could hear that sound uh, or that bite from him over and over again that, hey, this is super important. we got to get great coverage out here because it makes every product look a lot better when you get great coverage. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the better you can get that coverage on that plant with you know, even herbicides, insecticides, the fungicides too, especially, they're, uh, 
you, you get more on that leaf surface, you got better protection because it's just there and you don't got to wait for it to move through the plant and out to those those spots where you didn't get the coverage. We're talking flag leaf fungicides on wheat, and we have a lot of wheat farmers that have quite a few acres, and many of those guys will say they like to err on the side of being a little bit too early rather than being a little bit too late. Uh, what's your feeling on the timing on those fungicide applications around flag leaf? Well, it kind of all comes down to what product you're using. Um, you know, the different actives are more mobile or more persistent in the plant. Now we've got like our top guard molecule, which we also sell in a two-way with um, a Zoxy, so a Strobe or Lucento. We sell it with a with an SDHI that that tries all that's in there. Really, really hangs around and moves well through the plant. So we'll see where. If you spray it a little earlier and it gets on just part of that leaf that's out, it lasts and really moves with the water through that leaf out to the tips and to that new growing part. So it really kind of buys you that extra time. Yeah, it makes a difference. There's a lot of development that's gone on in the spray tips as we were talking about. But in these fungicides, now you say top guard and you say a triazole and a lot of folks would say, oh, man, we've been using triazoles for a long time. This one sure has some different characteristics. And uh, like you mentioned, it's available in a, a several different premixes, too, so you can get it with some different modes of action. Uh, what do you think at this timing, at flag leaf timing, uh, what are you targeting? What, what do you like the best? You know, I really like that Top Guard EQ and just kind of you guys were talking earlier, I heard you get that strobe in there, um, you know, helps with that plant health, keeps it a little greener, longer. Um, it just really, really helps. You know, you're getting 50% to 60% of that plant's photosynthesis is coming from that flag leaf. So the better you can take care of that, the uh, the better that crop's going to come out. And then, you know, with that longevity of the of the flutriophile in there, we're really, really going to hold everything off there. You know, whether there's some rust coming in or any sort of leaf spot diseases, um, you know, usually the tan spot got taken care of early on, but if you missed a early spray with that, you got to look out for that climbing up the canopy too. Sure, sure. You know, speaking of areas like uh, the area you're in in North Dakota, now a lot of guys would say, man, isn't North Dakota uh, really wet? The planting's been delayed. There's all this going on. How is that going to impact what comes up for disease? Is it getting farmers who have wheat to, to see, man, I've got a very valuable crop out here and we could be at high risk? Yeah, that's kind of the talk right now. You know, I was on the road today and there's there's guys putting wheat in the ground right now, and there's wheat that's just starting to get almost to that. Might get get a herbicide here pretty soon over the weekend if it stays nice. So with the moisture, there is a lot more prevalence and chance for disease. So there's been a lot of talk, and especially with, you know, as easy as it is to throw it in that tank right now, this first pass, but then as much as it's worth, it's just a no-brainer to come back again and throw it on that flag leaf and protect what's feeding that grain there and really bump your bump your yield well it's a fun year when wheat is actually worth a lot <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of <laughs> lot of steps farmers will take to protect that yield and that profit on their farms talk with ryan hunt here with fmc about fungicides for flag leaf thank you so much ryan really appreciate having you on yep thanks we'll be right back after this What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? 
With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Farmers across the country are raving about Germinator closing wheels. Paul from New York says, I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more Germinator success stories, visit farmshopmfg.com. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about flag leaf fungicides for wheat and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head back to the phone lines. Got our friend Lee Lubers with the Extreme Ag Group. Uh, he farms in South Dakota, so he's certainly aware of the need for fungicides in wheat. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How How is planting going in your part of South Dakota? Uh, we're clicking along. I'm in a planter right now. We're doing a uh, comparison against... Uh, our high-speed planter versus uh, momentum planter. So right now I'm running uh, momentum. 
Interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun to see. And, I, you know, when you think about all the planting that has to get done, that's one part of the operation. But another one is the spraying and protecting that crop once it's up. I, I know you've been a proponent of fungicides in, in wheat. First of all, I, many times fungicides will get a free ride with another pass that you're making, whether it's a herbicide pass or a nutrient pass. What have you learned from that? Are there some watchouts that you have about what mixes well with fungicide and what doesn't? Uh, we always like to include fungicide in our initial herbicide pass, but we will keep an eye on our wheat. And if we don't feel the efficacy is going to be there to take it up to flowering, uh, we won't hesitate to add a pass because uh, if we start seeing disease, we're losing yield. I know you farm fairly close to the Nebraska border, and a lot of times we'll hear reports of, well, stripe rust is in Kansas. Now it's moving up to Nebraska. Uh, I would assume that's a pretty good indicator of pulling the trigger. Exactly, yeah. When we get start getting a lot of south winds, and if I hear of anything in southern Nebraska, we're, we're probably just start preparing. <laughs> We get a lot of questions about boron with that fungicide application around flag leaf or even a little bit later uh, to, to try to help those kernels all the way down to the bottom of the wheat head fill out. What's been your experience with that? Is that something you, you've tried on your farm and that you like? Uh, we've worked with foliar boron. We've also worked with it earlier in our initial uh, uh, nitrogen pass also. Yeah, there's a lot of choices in wheat, and it's kind of fun when you actually have a decent market for wheat where we can afford some of those things and, and maybe afford to do some trials. Uh, as you're finishing up planting here, you said you're trying out a couple different planters. Have you got anything going on in the wheat crop this year that, that you want to talk about? Uh, we're going to be uh, doing multiple trials on wheat. We have uh, three different new fungicide options on uh, for uh, flowering for head scab timing. We're working with three different products. And then we've already done about three other comparisons or initial herbicide pass of trying different products, including fun different fungicide, a product to add to fungicide to extend efficacy. We'll see how that works. And then uh, we also uh, did uh, growth regulators and part of our crop. And then the other part, we had too many windy days and we missed the window to get that on. So we'll have a comparison on a large scale between growth regulators and no growth regulators right as we were jointing. Oh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, a lot of trial work, and that's been one of the fun things following the Extreme Ag guys uh, to, to see all the different things they're trying out in the fields. Uh, Lee, good luck to you. Stay safe as you're finishing up planting here, and, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, thanks. Let's head up to Ontario. Got Jim on with some questions on wheat. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for calling in. Uh, what what can we do for you? Well, up here we um, plant our wheat in the fall, anywhere from uh, last week of September to the first week of November, which is basically six weeks. And yet, when we go to spray for fusarium, we find it about a week window. So. There's such a big spread in planting, but uh, at having time, it, it seems to all come together. Well, why is this? Well, part of it, Jim, I'm assuming, just has to do with heat units. So if you... Um, it, it, well, it, it's the same issue that we run into on our farm with corn, for example, where we planted this year over about a five-week stretch, 
and we'll, most of those hybrids are going to tassel probably within a week or two of each other. So big planning window, fairly narrow window, thing, a lot of things even up. But like I say, it all comes back to heat units because when you seed uh, between the end of September and the 1st of November, there's not like a ridiculous amount of heat units in there. It's not like you're in the middle of the summer. So that mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. And then the other part of it is just how things come out of dormancy in the spring. And so I, I guess... I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I'm no plant pathologist. I'm no uh, plant physiologist. You know, I don't I don't know exactly how some of these things work in the plant. And I bring up the plant pathology thing because we're spraying, talking fungicides today. But I just know that there are certain things that happen in the crop. And all I care about really as a farmer and as an agronomist is I got to spray at certain times. I've got to harvest at certain times. I've got to do particular jobs at the right time and when I do that I get higher yield and that's really all I'm after is trying to help farmers make more money and stuff so that that's the best I can come up with and the reason why I think things kind of even out it's it's a couple of different factors there it's uh it's heat units and then how things come out of dormancy in the spring and certainly I mean you could have different wheat varieties just like we have different corn varieties so that will also make a difference sure we like to think the early wheat will outyield the later planted wheat, but not always, but it, we seem to think the early does outyield the yep, wheat. Yep, yep. So, it's usually yeah. the same thing for yeah. us on our own farm. We try to get the fall seeded crop. We don't do a whole lot of it often, but when we do, we try to get out there as timely as we can. So, nope, I'm with you. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks right. very much. You bet. Thanks, Jim. Talking flag leaf fungicides for wheat, and we've got Wally West on with us right now with Syngenta to talk a little bit. Wally, you've had some exciting products come out, uh, not just for flag leaf, but really for all timings in wheat. Uh, what's so special about this flag leaf timing, and and what do you really like to see us use at that time? Oh, I think um, uh, why it's important and why it's uh, special is just uh, when you think physiologically about uh, the importance of a flag leaf on a, on a wheat plant, it's generating a high level of uh, energy required to build protein and build uh, mass into the, into the kernel. So it's incredibly or very important to protect that flag leaf. So with that in mind, you know, products uh, our, our lead product for flag leaf application on wheat, both winter wheat and spring wheat is Trivapro. It's been out for a number of years and, been very happy with uh, with the performance, not only the disease performance, but uh, the performance on disease, but also the plant health benefits in the, in the absence of disease. So that would kind of be a couple of key points when I think of a flag leaf on a wheat plant or wheat sure. crop. Sure. You've talked to us yeah. a lot about the strobiliarins and plant health. How about the SDHI component? Because ah. there seems to be something there with Trivapro where we, we yeah. definitely have seen good plant health, both in corn and in wheat. Yeah, yes, good good point. Um, so the active ingredient, the SDHI, it's actually a, a next generation SDHI. It's been on the market for oh, five, six years and uh, very effective, very good residual. Um, the benefits in the absence of disease, it will it'll help the transpiration of the crop, um, help it move uh, oxygen and carbon dioxide in and out of the leaf. Um, it'll help conserve moisture. And ultimately, uh, what what uh, the SDHI or the the salatinol in Trivapro helps do is keep that plant alive longer. Um, the old uh, dynamic around disease control and residual control used to be if we got uh, 10 to 14 days out of 
residual performance out of a fungicide we were doing really good where a product like Trivapro has extended residual and keeps that crop alive longer in the in the range of you know 20 to 30 days of extended residual disease control and allows that plant to stay alive a bit longer to deliver more energy to the kernels. Well, we definitely saw a difference when we get into some dry conditions that we've had the last couple of years. That plant health piece is so important, and keeping that plant greener, longer, uh, made a big difference. Uh, we're talking with Wally West here with Syngenta. Wally, we got to run today, but uh, we want to talk to you again when we get towards heading time as well. All right. Thank you, Darren. You Take bet. Care. Thank you. Talking flag leaf fungicides on today's Ag PhD radio program, taking your calls and questions too at 844 44 Ag PhD. And uh, before the end of the show today, we'll be diving into the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got questions for us, you can call us or email us at radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Do you have crop failures due to flooding? drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. What can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. 
To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open today at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question, uh, let's head down to Kentucky right now. we got Clint on. Let's talk a little solubor. Clint, how are you doing today? Just fine. How are y'all? Well, pretty good. You, you caught our interest here. You want you want some boron for the corn. What What's up? Well, I sent some uh, soil samples to Neil Kinsey back last fall, and one of his recommendations on it was to, uh, with along with putting some dry boron on, was to add sol- five pounds of solubor with a side-dress nitrogen application. And he, in an email I got from him, he he has a little concern about mixing it with straight uh, nitrogen. He said sometimes you need to add it with water first before you add your liquid nitrogen. And my concern was uh, he said it might plug up the sprayer a little bit because I've never used it. So I'm trying to get a little information on mixing it. Yep. Okay. So we run into this all the time, not just with fertilizer, but with herbicides as well. And so let's let's just talk about this soluble product. It's soluble boron. And what what that means is it's a dry that is designed to mix in water. It's not necessarily designed to mix in other chemical solution or fertilizer solution. So it's the same thing we run into, like I say, on the chemistry side. We we have a if we, if we have a dry product that needs to be mixed in water, and let's say in your spray tank you already have a water and chem mix or a water and fertilizer mix, then you're you're safer to just slurry it, pre-slurry it, we call it, in straight water, and then it will usually go into suspension just fine. So you can try it on a small scale if you want, do a jar test or something, but Mm -hmm. the safe thing, yes, is just if, let's say you had a cone inductor, you put water in there, you, you mix it in that way and then run it through, or otherwise you have to mix it up like we've done in the past in five gallon buckets, just to be on the safe side. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. Yep. And I, I would say too, with that, I, I mean, it does kind of stink because if you start talking five pounds to the acre and let's say you got quite a few acres to do, you're like, wait a second here. This is an awful lot of pre-slurring. This is a lot of work. So I well, get that's it. part of my problem because I don't usually yep. pack water with me when I'm putting on liquid nitrogen. So that's a little yep. bit of a problem. I've, I've usually only got a single tank coming to me. So yep. it's kind of hard to get water with me too. Yep. So let's talk just a little bit more about that jar test then. So basically you just have to figure out the ratio of how much nitrogen are you going to have and versus how much solubore and then you just take a small container of nitrogen and put in the appropriate amount of solubore and just see if you can get it into solution if you can great you're good to go you don't even have to worry about this water thing or pre-slurrying or anything else so i'd okay. definitely be trying that first and then like i say worst case scenario you're going to have to pre-slurry okay all right all right i appreciate it you bet thanks good luck yeah, I'm glad he asked the question, though, because too often we've had guys call after they have the problem. They go, yeah, I got 1,200 gallons of sludge. Now what am I supposed to do? Or my sprayer's all uh, plugged up. What, what do I do now? So anyway, uh, kudos for asking the question first. Hopefully it all works out. All right, let's head up to New York. we got Jake on with us right now with a soybean weed control question. How are you doing, Jake? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, what's on your mind? So, we ended up here a couple years ago. We switched your guys' three pre-program in soybeans. Sure. And have had absolute great luck with it. Awesome. Um, up until this year, what ended up, what happened is, you know, we get we get going and sometimes things get ahead of us a little bit, you know, for one reason or, or another. Yep, happens and, uh, to all of us. We had about 70 acres that germinated and, and sprouted before we got it sprayed. Um, my question is, that, you know, we're, we're planting a plenish bean, so we don't have the option of dicamba or extend to go back. Um, you know, and clean up like mare's tail and lamb's quarter, things like that, you know, a little later. Is there any other options that we can be looking at as now a, as a post-emergent application? Okay. Post-emerge for mare's tail. How big is the mare's tail? Uh, right now, it, we've got nothing growing. I did a, a good burn down. Um, so we're, you know, a good clean seed bed going in, did some vertical tillage. Um, okay. So we're just, we're kind of, I'm anticipating it coming in. You know, it's in a field we've had problems in in the past. Sure. Hey, um, hey, hey let, let me ask you this, though, quick, Jake. You said you did a burn down, but you weren't able to yeah. get the three pre's on that field? Is am I, Or am, am I misunderstanding this? That's correct. We went in ahead of planning, did a burn down, um, and then it just it kind of got a dry window here. So, you know, we had to do, do some tillage just to get a good seed bed uh, versus no tilling into that. Like we, like we try to do. So what I'm curious about, is there a reason why you didn't just throw the pre-emerge herbicides in with the burn down? Can we do that ahead of planting? Of course. We do that all the time. Okay. Yeah, that works just fine. Okay. Yep, yep. So okay. in the in the future, I I do that. I I got to be honest with you, Jake. If you've been doing it in split applications, um, you, you've uh, you really must have wanted to get that pre out there because a lot of guys that I talk to say, "Look, I'm only going to spray once. You got one shot. I'll do it one time. I'm not spraying twice." So anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, you can absolutely combine those and 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 go that way. So in the future, that's what I would do. So with this situation, our concern here is mare's tail more than lamb's quarter. So basically what we're, what you're asking is, what can I use in, in effect, conventional soybeans to kill mare's tail and lamb's quarters, right? Yep. Okay. So lamb's quarters, you can get by. The best thing that there is is the old Harmony or Pinnacle. Uh, uh, some people will buy generic now. There's Harass. There are a whole bunch of different ones out there. But anyway, it's that, that same active ingredient that we always used to have that was the old straight Harmony or Pinnacle. And okay. that that's very inexpensive. You're usually talking a couple bucks an acre. So that's no big deal. The mare's tail is the much bigger concern for us because we don't have anything that's oh. real good on mare's tail. Go first, ahead. first rate's not too bad as long as it's not ALS resistant mare's tail. That's, that's <laughs> the big question. Do, but is it mare's tail? Is it uh, ALS resistant that mare's tail? Do you know? Right. I don't, I don't believe so. You know, up until okay. actually probably two years ago, I was able to control it with extreme even. Um, you know, we were able yep. to get probably 99% kill onto it and it's just, it's come in through the through the right of ways and and road ditches sure. and that now and it's, sure. it's rampant. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, we get it. That's where it makes the conventional bean thing really difficult. So, like in our geography, sure. we don't have. I mean, there are some guys that are doing conventional beans, but that's that's the concern all the time is that weed issue. So then they either go to enlist or extend. But anyway. 
So I, I would say there are three chemistries that I would probably talk about. And Darren, you can see if you got anything else. But f Darren said first rate. That's our number one choice. What I always used to like is mixing first rate together with classic. Okay, classic is another, it's a sulfonylurea, so it's in that ALS chemical family. And you have to be careful about the use rate. You don't want to use too much, otherwise you have a carryover issue. But as long as you're using a low rate, it's no big deal. And then the third thing would be Flexstar. So some people will either go first rate Flexstar combination, but like I say, I used to like a first rate classic combination on that mare's tail. So th those are probably my two best options, one combo or the other. Darren, what do you think? First rate flex star. Yeah. I'm taking that in a heartbeat. Yep. I, 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 the classic reason, can work. Like Brand said, classic yep. can work. But they're, they're just it, it can even be a problem just in spots in the field if it gets messed up or overlapped. Yep. So I, I like the flex star. Uh, yep. And, and that's really the better and safer recommendation for this particular case. Because we, quite frankly, don't know for sure that your, your mare's tail is not ALS resistant. Flexstar is not an ALS herbicide, so having that in there is going to help you. Plus, it's going to help you a lot more than anything else on water hemp or palmer pigweed that might happen to show up, uh, nightshade, and a few other weeds that you'd end up with out there too. Now, none of these herbicides are fantastic on lamb's quarters, but if you do that yep. first-rate Flexstar combination, you'll do okay on lamb's quarters, and worst-case scenario, you could always come back with that uh, that old Harmony product that I was talking about a little bit ago. Okay. All right. All right. Appreciate it, guys. You bet. Good luck to you there, Jake. Hope things turn out well for you. Yeah, sometimes plan B is no fun. If plan A for weed control isn't going to happen, uh, and you got to go to plan B. So really, really awesome when you get a chance to talk to somebody else. Say, hey, have you guys ever seen this? What have you done? Uh, glad we can help out in those situations. Now we'll dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. 
Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and it's time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. We've got a number of questions that have come in for today's show. It's the mailbag! Got this one from Cortland in Virginia, and he said, All right, guys, I got 52 acres of corn. It's almost a foot tall, and I've got a few ragweeds and pigweeds coming through, about an inch tall is all. Would it be safe for me to go over the top with this combination? A pound of atrazine. A pint of parallel. Wait, wait, how big is the corn? It's almost a foot tall. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it's less than a foot tall. He said he wants to use a pound of atrazine. First of all, that's totally safe. Uh, safe for the corn. Corn, yep. Sure. A pound of atrazine, but go a ahead. Of, a lot of atrazine. Yep, he's in Virginia. A pint of parallel, which would be a generic metallochlor, uh, three ounces of miso, and a quart of Roundup. Sure. Safe. I, I mean, so what do you think about that then for the ragweed and pigweed? Well, it's going to be just fine. You got three ounces of miso; it's going to kill both. So I, I don't really have any issue with that. I, I don't think you need the, the pound atrazine. of atrazine. No, I, that's what I was just about to say. I think that one pound of atrazine is overkill. I'd cut that to a quarter, maybe a half. So on if it, if this was my farm, what would I do? I, I'm 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 great with the Roundup. The parallel is a little bit of a low. It's a low rate. Okay. I mean, let's just face it. You're, you're talking a half rate. Would I do a little more? I'd probably do a little bit more. Three ounces of miso. So take, your dollars, take your dollars out of some yes. of the other stuff and put it into a little bit well, more of the metallochlor? Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd take out three quarters of a pound of atrazine and then I'd bump the parallel rate by exactly that many dollars if you, want, if you don't want to spend any more money. Oh, the other thing that I would say, you said quart to roundup, right? You don't have to run that high rate if you're going three ounces of miso. Where I'm going with this is I don't know what, you know, if all we're talking about is ragweed and pigweed, and then let's say there's some grass out there and that's the reason you're throwing the Roundup in. Well, I mean, Roundup it can kill grass at half that rate. So, I mean, it all depends on what kind of grass. But if we were just talking foxtails, then I'd be able to cut that Roundup rate a little bit too. So, anyway, I'm just giving you some ideas. 
Uh, the, the one thing that I would say, Darren, and the reason why he is probably okay with that one pint of parallel, even though it's a low rate, is the corn's almost a foot tall. So anyway, uh, yeah, you, he can do this exact program. I just think the Roundup's a little strong and the Atrazine's a little strong. All right. Uh, I get this question that came in. Oh, thank, thanks again for that question. We appreciate that. Um, okay, I get this question from an anonymous agronomist here who said, uh, I, I work in the state of South Dakota, and I had a little mishap with one of my customers. Uh, he applied fall valor with some dicamba. Everything's going well. He put on four ounces of valor, eight ounces of dicamba worked great. This spring, though, when he was attempting to put on a combination of three ounces of pursuit, 40 ounces of Warrant, another 8 ounces of Dicamba. This will be ahead of Extendflex soybeans. He used 4 ounces of Dry Metribuzin, and by mistake, he grabbed a jug of Mesostar and put 2.3 ounces of that out there. Now, he has the Extendflex soybeans in the ground. Uh, what's going to happen to the beans, number one, and number two, Dead. What are you going? what could you do to have a successful crop still in this field this year with all this combination of products? Sure. Yeah, it's just, it's a shame because that meso's either going to kill the beans or it's going to dramatically hurt them. So if it was me, I would go out there with LLGT27 beans, I'd interseed them, now, I'm not telling you that any of this is labeled, okay? So He's nobody's got- going nobody's gonna to stand behind this or anything like that. But if it was me and this happened on my farm, I'd just go seed some LLGT27 soybeans two weeks after this combination got sprayed. So I don't know when it got sprayed. If the, you di- just- the dicamba's got, what, a 30-day label for pre-plant? No, at eight ounces, it's two weeks. Okay. So that's why I'm saying you just have to give it two weeks. But you also have to have at least one to two inches of rain on it. I'd prefer two. So if I've had two inches of rain on it and it's been two weeks, then I go right in and I would throw in LLGT27 soybeans. Now, they're not labeled for this. They're not approved for this, but we believe that they're going to have good enough tolerance that you shouldn't see any issue with those beans. The unfortunate part is you can't spray dicamba post. So you're you're left with either Roundup or Liberty to kill the weeds. All right. Well, good luck to you, uh, anonymous agronomist, and uh, hope, hopefully uh, you still have a decent crop out there. Okay, this one comes in from Michael down in Iowa, and he said, guys, I got a tiling situation for you, and I need another opinion on this. Uh, my home farm, now which is a full quarter, it's got some drain tile installed by my grandpa in the early 1970s. Generally, it's four-inch clay tile, up most waterways, usually both sides, running right down the hill to the creek. Works great. Uh, the farm's pretty hilly, got some clay knobs, some wonderful creek bottom black soil too. Now I own a soil max tile plow and a mini X and I've installed a hundred miles of tile in my lifetime. I've been debating if I should abandon these existing drain tile lines and start pattern tiling a piece of the farm each year until I get the whole thing done. Or if I could find these clay tiles, I don't have a map of them, so I'd have to do a lot of exploratory digging. I could find them and just add more laterals to them until I've pattern tiled the farm. So I'm curious, should I start from scratch and just plow right through any of those existing lines? Or <laughs> uh, should I try to utilize them? Then I'd have, um, you know, 
the same kind of thing, but I've got 50-year-old clay drain tiles out there, too, as part of my system. So right. I, I'm kind of leaning towards starting from scratch, so I have RTK maps, and tile that should last 100 years. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what I would end up doing. I would start from scratch. But here's the thing. If you look at how a lot of us used to farm, and I'm I'm throwing ourselves in here as well. When times were tough, what did we do? We just had to get by, okay? But if you have enough capital where you say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm fine. I've, I've, I, it's just like for us on our farm. Okay, so Darren and I are in our 50s now. We're not in our 20s anymore, even our 30s. So we built up some equity, and I don't mind investing a bunch of money. But man, when I was in our 20s, I would have answered this question the other way. I would have said, you know, let's just try to get by and we'll call it good. And if if we can someday down the road, we'll put in a new main line and then we'll tap into that. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd just start over and have it done with. Because here's the thing. The crop price is worth so much anymore. And I, I think this is going to last for another year. Beyond that, I don't know. But my point is, when the crop is worth quite a bit, it doesn't take much yield gain over a period of years to pay for that tile. Because either way, you're going to put the laterals in. So all we're really talking about is adding a main line. And this way, you've got a main line that you know is good. It's easy. It's going to be a lot easier for you now to tap into that yeah, and plus, make good connections and everything plus else. Plus you could upgrade so, it if you wanted to from a right. 4 to a 6 or yes, something like that. Yes. So, nope. If it's me, I'd start over. I know it costs a little more money, but I think you'd be happier in the long run. All right, thanks for the question. Okay, got this one in from Claire up in Ontario uh, who asks, I, I'm thinking about strip-till here with wheat in a corn and soybean rotation that I'm strip-tilling. Does the wheat not planted in the strip-till area yeah. suffer from lack of fertilizer? And if so, how would you overcome that? Well, it depends on how you fertilized in your strip-till. Yeah, so it depends on what your two years were with corn and soybeans. So right. let's just say, uh, like for our farm, we've got 30 intros. So we have 30 intro corn, and then we move that strip over and split yep. those strips. So yep. now I've got a strip every 15 inches. Am I putting extra fertilizer in those strips? Most of the time, no. We're or putting am I just on, putting out what's going to feed that crop? Right. We're typically trying, trying to just put out grain removal when we're strip tilling. Now, the reason why we often have some left is because... Our yield calls never quite seem to be. Well, it just depends. Tell me, tell me that you got it figured out just right on your farm. You knew you were going to get 180 bushel corn this year and 220 bushel corn next year. No, you thought you were going to get 200 each time. So you're either going to be just a little long or just a little short. So our point is this: if you are over applying fertilizer in the strip, then yeah, obviously you're going to have a little better wheat over every one of those strips, and not as much in between. So. Hey, Janelle, uh, I think we're missing uh, music. I just uh, thought I would throw that out there. Uh, sorry, I'm just talking to our sister, Janelle, who's our producer for Brand's the show trying today. to produce from the opposite side of the right. glass. It I, doesn't I, always work very well. I wanted music playing while I was giving this great answer. But uh, but, but, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, we've done this exact thing and planted where we've had strip till for years, and we have not seen a bunch of waviness as long as we weren't over-applying in the strips, and then then we fertilized on a broadcast basis for the wheat. All right. Thanks for the question, Claire. I really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.